Welcome, and thanks for checking out the Living Word Family Church Sermon Podcast. Before we get to the message, we'd like to invite you to check out Living Word Family Church if you don't already have a church home. For more information, you can check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. Good morning, Living Word Family Church. You uh, can be seated if you want. You want to sit on top of your car on your hood or in a chair on the ground that's fine or you can get in those cars crank the air and uh sympathize with me baking in this sun no i'll tell you what what a beautiful day huh could it be more perfect for this and what a wonderful and glorious thing it is to be here together assembled with you oh wow been waiting for this for a long time and I'm, listen, I promise you, well, as close as I can come to a promise like this, my message is a short one today. I know we had extra time getting in here, and there'll be extra time getting out, and we are honoring the graduates on the other side of the building, at least many of us are. And so uh, I want to get into the word, and uh, again, it's a short message, but I really have to take just a second and say a big thank you, particularly to the ushers. Uh, who did a lot of extra work getting the parking lot ready and and, uh, planning the traffic and everything else. Also to the sound crew, who had a ton of setup and prep to do. It, it, It looks like a pretty simple setup, but there's a lot of stuff that has to be moved around and tested out. So thank you guys. Thanks for making it happen. Thanks, as always, to the Praise and Worship team for uh, recording that for us. And um, I'll have a lot more thank yous next week when we're doing this in the building. Amen? Praise the Lord. Uh, And thank you. Thank you for coming this morning. I really had no idea what the turnout was going to be like, but it's good to see so many of you here, and I haven't made it around to all the vehicles, uh, so I don't know how many of you, if there's anybody here who's not from Living Word Family Church, if you're just checking us out, you can give us a wave if this is your first time joining us. Or maybe a quick toot on the horn, but don't lean on it. We want to be good neighbors. Uh, but, hey, uh, again, thanks for being here. And thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God, for this beautiful day, giving us this beautiful day uh, for to, where we celebrate this reunion. Thank you, as always, for your presence in our midst. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for the Holy Spirit who indwells us and teaches us as we look into it. Lord, we pray that this day blesses you as much as it blesses us. Bless us indeed, Lord. Open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to receive from you. But Lord, it's our prayer that what we do here today brings glory to the name of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. You know what today is, right? Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday, this is an official church holiday that we typically, we mention it, of course, but we don't formally celebrate it like we do uh, Christmas or Resurrection Day. Um, And that's okay. There's nothing that says that we have to. There's nothing, as I mention nearly every year, there's nothing that, that dictates that we celebrate Christmas. I just think it's a legitimate thing to celebrate, but we don't typically do it as a church. And again, that's okay for us because we are a... Pentecost is kind of woven through our teaching and our worship, right? We are a Holy Ghost church. Uh, But what's interesting to me is that 
some churches that are more mainline, liturgical, what we would refer to maybe even dismissively as religious churches, they do recognize Pentecost Sunday. They celebrate it formally. Uh, and I was kind of curious how. Uh, and I know there's certainly more to this, but I'm, I'm going to share with you just a couple of the things that, that showed up over and over as I searched this. Uh, they wear red. They'll dress in red or they'll decorate with red fabric and red balloons in the church building. And sometimes the minister will have accents of red in his uh, robes or vestments. And they will sing hymns that have the Holy Spirit as a theme. And, and I'm not knocking those things. The, the red is to... Uh, it represents the fire of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing wrong with those things if they don't stop there. Um, but here is what really, oh, and one thing I do like, this was a nice touch, since, since Pentecost is recognized as the day of the birth of the church, many churches choose to receive new members to their church on Pentecost Sunday. Now, this, I'm going to share with you now, this is what I found, a really interesting article that was in the Christian Post, and uh, I'm just going to share an excerpt from it, or a couple excerpts from it, and I have redacted the name of the pastor that is quoted in this article, and the name of his church, because that's irrelevant. Uh, but the article starts this way, it says, while many churches from the mainline and liturgical traditions plan to celebrate Pentecost on Sunday... Few evangelical congregations will be marking the day the Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples and the day the church was founded some 2,000 years ago. One reason, says a Michigan pastor, is that most freewheeling evangelicals don't follow the church calendar at all, except for Christmas and Easter. The pastor of a non-denominational evangelical church, he explained to the Christian Post why some Christian churches, including his, don't celebrate Pentecost. He said that other than Christmas and Easter, and maybe Advent and Holy Week, the rest of the church calendar is viewed as liturgical and ritualistic. And we would pretty much agree with that. Uh, there's a lot we don't understand about the church calendar, but we, we look at it as kind of a, a, a constraint more than anything else. Uh, but then, here was the part where it gets interesting. He conceded, he said that, that uh, he conceded that some are afraid to celebrate Pentecost because of discomfort with certain charismatic expressions. Ironically, this is a quote, a second reason we don't pay much attention to Pentecost Sunday is that we are afraid of the edgy displays of Holy Ghostism. I wish I could see more faces right now. It's sad, but the more outrageous expressions of Pentecostalism and charismatics make a celebration of Pentecost a little risky. Outrageous displays. Outrageous expressions of Pentecostalism. Now, we are familiar with the New Testament day of Pentecost, as is described in Acts chapter 2. And of course, we're going to be looking at that in a little bit. Uh, but as most of you know, Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost, uh-oh, uh-oh. Hey, is that you, Lisa? Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah, I said no honking. Can we get some ushers to uh, remove that vehicle? I'm kidding. 
Can the rest of you still hear me if I keep preaching? You hear it on your car radio? Okay, hey, there we go. Thank you, thank you. All right. <laughs> no, it's okay, it's okay. The, the Feast of Pentecost was an Old Testament holiday, an Old Testament feast that took place uh, 50 days after Passover. It was called, it wasn't called Pentecost back then, they called it the Feast of Weeks or First Fruits or the Feast of the Harvest. And since it took place 50 days after Passover, in Greek, it was called Pentecost from the Greek word for 50. Now, and the way it went was this, this took place at the time of the wheat harvest, and they would wave two loaves of bread of pure fine flour before God. And uh, also, along, uh, during the course of the celebration, animals were sacrificed as sin offerings and peace offerings. But this wasn't a time of mourning. This wasn't a fast. It was a feast. And it was a, like, it was a type of first fruits offering. And what it signified was, as they waved these loaves, is they were making an offering to God of the first fruits of the produce of the land, of that harvest, as an act of faith confessing that the rest of the harvest would be plentiful and abundant. Now, over the years, this, and again, this was over the years before Jesus, and it's still in Old Testament times. Over the years, it also came to be associated with the giving of the law. There's some math involved, uh, but it's math that looks uh, pretty solid to this English major. But uh, they determined that the Feast of Pentecost actually took place on the same day of the year that the law was delivered to Moses on Sinai. Now, this is more important than you might think, because as we have studied this and learned, the law that God gave to Moses for the people was not just a moral code. It was God's way of revealing his character, revealing himself to his people. Israel. But it did contain a moral code. It gave them the standards he wanted them to live by. Now pay attention to this because this is the connection between Old Testament uh, Feast of the Harvest and New Testament Pentecost. Do you remember, I'm sure you do, what was at the heart of God's reason and his plan for his people to live according to the law? It, It was so that the nations surrounding them would see a difference. Ideally, the Israelites would live in accordance with the law and therefore experience all of God's blessing and be so obviously blessed, protected, healed, etc., that the nations around them would be attracted to God and desire a relationship and be brought into a relationship, a worship relationship with God. And, of course, we know how that worked out because what the law could not do was empower them to live according to the law. The law could describe and define holy living, but it could not empower holy living. So we have two major themes, two major components to the celebration of Pentecost. One was the harvest, and the second was the word or the law pointing to holiness. Now, look with me at John chapter 4. We're going to read several scriptures now, but we are closer to being done than you might think. John chapter 4, beginning in verse 34. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? 
Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. Similarly, in Luke chapter 10, verse 1, after these things the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now what is the harvest that Jesus is talking about in these two passages? It's the harvest of souls, right? It's the harvest of people. It's salvation we're talking about. Now, remember that, and you can turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And we fast forward to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There's one of those uh, outrageous displays of Holy Ghostism right there. happened on uh, the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. So right after that, now there were men from all over who were actually in Jerusalem for what? To celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. And they came to, to uh, examine what was this, uh, this noise, this uh, tumult. And when they got there, they hear these men speaking all these different languages. Languages that they could understand even though uh, they were from other countries. And they wondered what was going on. And then Peter stood up and connected what had just happened to Old Testament prophecy that they were familiar with, the book of Joel to be specific. And then he begins to preach a sermon. At the end of the sermon, and we are still in Acts chapter 2, pick it up in verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? 
And Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day... And those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. So on the day of Pentecost, the day the law was given, the law that could not empower them, they received power. And it happened like that. It happened obviously. What did they receive power for? To be witnesses to Christ. And when they did that, what was the result? A great harvest of souls on the day of the Feast of the Harvest. One more passage, one more point, and I'm through. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, and, all, and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. You see this through their very lifestyle and because of the wonders and signs being done. Fear of the Lord came upon the people. This addresses the holiness issue. The Holy Spirit empowered them to be witnesses uh, not just with their words but with their very lives. And again, what was the result? of Pentecost, harvest, a daily harvest of souls. Listen, I want to see people get saved in this church. I want to see people answer altar calls. I want there to be lost people in our church to answer altar calls. But you know what? We just read here, the Lord was adding to their number daily, not weekly, that means it's not just supposed to happen in the meeting house. The meeting house, by the way. You are the house of God. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to come here to be around him. You carry that power, that Pentecost power in your body. Right? That same power to convict, that same power to bring the fear of God on the people if we allow that power to dictate how we live as they did in those early days, okay? The, uh, that means getting people saved and, and being uh, used uh, for God to, br to, bring, uh, to add to our number daily, that's gotta be your job, not just mine. Remember this, the church is not the same terminology as the body of Christ. The church is the assembly, 
and I maybe hit this a little hard uh, in the early days of this quarantine. Uh, we are the church. We, right here, are this church, even when we are disassembled. We are a part of this. But we are not doing church. We are living for God. We're preaching the gospel. But we are not doing church if we're not together. That's why this is important. Uh, but we are a local body of believers. This is the, uh, this assembly. I want you to remember that we belong to him. And we belong to the body of Christ. And we belong to this local body of believers. Those are all legitimate senses of belonging. And scriptural senses of belonging. But I just wanted you to see that God made a point here of having it recorded that he added new believers, new members of the body, to the church daily. Never underestimate the importance of this, this assembly, this connection. Yes, we are Christians, we are believers, and we are Living Word Family Church. That's worth celebrating too. Unless you're not. I want you to notice back in Peter's sermon at the end of it, what the man asks was not, how will Christianity make me a better person? Or how will this religion you're preaching make my life better or make my world better? No, it says that they were cut to their heart and asked, what shall we do? And Peter's answer was, repent and be baptized for the remission of sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 16, you can read about it, and most of you know this story. There, Paul and Silas were in prison, and a supernatural earthquake took place when they were praising the Lord, and their chains fell off. And the jailer came before them and said, what must I do to be saved? That, friends, is the right question. Salvation is what we're talking about. Salvation is the gift God gives to the world, made available by the finished work and shed blood of the crucified Christ. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the gift that God gives to believers. It's the gift that God gives to the church. If you need to be saved this morning, I almost said if you want to be saved, but if you need to be saved, if you need to, you should want to. But I understand those things don't always go hand in hand. If you need salvation this morning, the good news is you can be saved. Would you be bold enough, if you have never confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you be bold enough to raise your hand and say, I want to do that today, or flash your headlights, or honk your horn? If you are saved, and you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, same thing. I'm going to close this message with a prayer, and in this prayer... There's going to be a prayer of salvation and a prayer for baptism of the Holy Spirit. Speak these things out. Agree. Amen. Uh, if, the, if this is your prayer. But please, please, please let me know if you prayed this prayer for the first time. Okay? I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to, uh, uh, I've got some further instructions before we dismiss. Okay? Heavenly Father, thank you again for this beautiful day. I thank you for this wonderful church. For all of your gifts, all of your protection, all of your provision. And we thank you, especially today, for the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the power that that brings into our lives. And help us to remember that is not just power to receive what you have for us. It is power to be witnesses to you for the world.
Help us not to, to rely on our own strength and our own talents, but on the very real Pentecostal power of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord God, that, there, that if there's anybody who can hear me now, either in this parking lot or listening online or across the street, who doesn't know you as Father, who doesn't know Jesus as Lord, that you would convict them of their need for salvation and move them to pray this prayer. Dear God, I am a sinner, and I do need salvation. I need to be saved, so would you please come into my heart, be my Lord. I believe that you are who the Bible says you are. I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and that, God, you raised him from the dead, so save my life, be my Lord. And thank you for becoming my father in Jesus' name. Father, I also pray that if there are believers here today, sincere believers who have never yielded themselves and, uh, and, and uh, availed themselves of the abundant power that is available through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that something would rise up in their hearts today and that they would pray this. Father, I see in your word that you do not deny the Holy Spirit to those who ask, that you've poured it out on all flesh and that it means power. I see now, Lord, that Jesus told us not to minister, not to leave until we had received that power. So empower me now. Give me your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill me, baptize me, and make me a powerful witness to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. I, again, I want to hear from you. If you prayed either one of those prayers for the first time, and let's everybody else remember, we can be refilled and need to be refilled, staying full of the Holy Ghost so that we can be the people and ministers God has called us to be. I want to thank you again for coming out this morning. There is one last thing, uh, two last things, I guess. If you have your offering prepared, um, the ushers will collect, the, collect your offering as you exit the parking lot. Just toss it out the window into a basket that they'll be holding. And, of course, you can still use Tithely. I want to stress, I know I've said this in an email, and I want you to know this is not Faith's confession. This is, this is for real. You guys have been phenomenal, and you have been a model of faithfulness uh, to the body of Christ with your faithful giving. You have been so good to continue to support Living Word Family Church with your finances. I want to thank you for that strength, that stability, and that faithfulness. And, uh, and, I, and there are promises that God makes attached to that kind of faithfulness. And I always want you to know that I am joining my faith with yours. I'm joining my faith to those promises that God had made. And I'm speaking and believing for an abundant return and blessing to you and your household. I am going to pray uh, over the offering. And then we will dismiss Please wait until the ushers dismiss you, row by row, car by car. They will direct you. It won't take long the way we're lined up. And then if you are visiting the seniors, follow their instructions. We've got ushers on the other side of the building that will direct you in the way to go. All right? Heavenly Father, thank you again for your faithfulness. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. And thank you for this service. I thank you for the faithfulness of these people and how you have been our supply. You have been the supplier of every person here, and therefore you have been our supply uh, corporately, and you've enabled us to continue to fulfill our commitments to so many great ministries. 
And Father, we believe that as we give, according to your word, it will be given back to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Men will give unto our bosoms, Father, so that we can give again. Thank you for giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And God bless you as you give. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday, and we'll see you indoors next week. Thanks for listening. We hope that this message encouraged and equipped you in your walk with Christ. Make sure to follow us on Facebook or Instagram to stay updated with what's going on at Living Word Family Church. Have a great day.